On this episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, Lori Russo, my wife, president, and minority owner of Stanton Communications, joins me once again for the first time since 2020. Over the course of the podcast, we discuss global travel and the return to normalcy after COVID, as well as the lessons learned from travel and how other countries are currently doing business. Lori also discusses professional development and imposter syndrome, and how it influences the way we evaluate how we work with our clients each day. All of this, plus some great conversation about parenting, the client experience, and encouraging others to join the golf business. These topics and so much more. Grab your eggnog and settle in for the final Driving Improvement Podcast of 2022 right now. Well, welcome into the Driving Improvement Podcast, everyone. Merry Christmas, and it's the two-year anniversary of my wife, uh, Madam President, joining me on the podcast, and I thought, you know what, let's do this again. Uh, We had a lot of fun last time, and so why not? Let's do it again one more time. Well, probably won't be the last time, but let's do it again one more time. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Babe, uh, thanks for joining me. How was 2022? 2022 is a pretty fantastic year. It was. Uh, and I'm I'm trying to hold on to it because I know not every year is going to be like this. And it was it was just a special year and uh, I'm kind of sad to see it go. Yeah, I mean it's and by the way, with my parents not here, it, it it's always, you know, great to have them around, but let's let's be honest. They are in Key West, Florida, and they're in qu- air quotations <laughs> as the uh, temperature outside is like 19 <laughs> degrees. It's uh, low 60s in Key West, so they're and freezing. And they're freezing. They have coats uh, on. Yeah, they have coats on, but it's hard to feel. And the alive. iguanas are falling out yeah, of trees. And the iguanas are falling out of trees, yes. So <laughs> um, if any of you have ever been in South Florida, uh, as many of my students know, I, I grew up partially in Key West. Uh, when the temperature hits certain uh, numbers the poor iguanas uh, start to go a bit rigid and they start falling out of the trees. Not in a good way. It, no, yeah, it's not, not in a good way, no. They, uh, they, yeah, they don't use Viagra or hymns or whatever they use in these days. It's, uh, it's what, 30 seconds in and we're already just going right there. Yeah, that's all right. It's okay. It's Christmas. Merry it's Christmas. been a long year, but a good year. So um, so we thought we'd kick it around. We got some some ideas and we thought we'd entertain you and, and just just kind of talk it through a little bit and I think the first thing we wanted to really talk about was um was travel yes and and by the way you know we are going to talk about you know some of the the main uh principles and and pillars of the podcast so to speak but we're also going to just talk about some other things too but have a little fun yeah well we always do I know uh so for us, travel. I mean, everything. Talk to me. Yeah, let's. I mean, talk about travel for you because you had a hell of a year. Like I had a hell of a year. we, we jump. You jump right back into everywhere it this year. So everywhere that would take me, I got on a plane. Do you? Can you recite where you <laughs> went this year? This I want to hear. Yeah. Okay. So, Croatia, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Canada, Iceland. That was really good. I know. I think you got them all. I think I did. I could not even begin to do that. Well, I don't remember. I, well, obviously, I didn't travel nearly as much as you did, but um, Arizona, Canada, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Canada was together. Everything else was yeah. um, for work. I don't really know. I don't feel like I traveled that much. I went a whole lot of other places, but Arizona was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'll have to come back to me on this question. I'll hit pass on this one. But well, So all, all the traveling and, you know, Anybody who knows you knows you love to travel. Yes. So COVID and all that, you know, garbage that we dealt with two years ago when you were on, yeah, um, was tough. Uh, tough for everybody. Let's let's, you know, let's call it what it is. First world mm-hmm. problems, certainly. But um, where did you love to go? Where would you tell people based on the places you went? Of the places you went, <laughs> where would them. you send them? Where would you send them? I would I would say all of them, but the one the one that really surprised me and it was not because I had negative opinions or or anything about it but I just I didn't know anything about it was Croatia Mm. 
And my brother had been there. And, you know, as soon as he came back, he said, you have got to go. You will love it. And I did have the opportunity to go for work. And I, th I think it was in the spring, maybe late spring. And, I mean, it was such a special, beautiful place. And it's just across the Adriatic from Italy. Mm -hmm. And so you get the same sort of beautiful scenery and the water and the mountains and, and everything. But I feel like, it, and I, I say this not having been to Italy yet, but it's on the list. Uh, it's It's a little more accessible in terms of cost and also it's not as much of a, a tourist destination as Italy is and you know it's a different language it's a different culture it's different food but I, I mean it, I can't wait to go back I can't wait to take you and the boys it, it was very special now I have friends there uh, who we can visit and that that was the the kind of standout for me in 2022 I think the other place was you know, the parts of Canada that we got to explore together as a family. Yeah. I think that was really great. Um, Western Canada, Alberta, BC, you know, places we hadn't been before. Uh, and those mountains, I mean, my God. Yeah, they were uh, incredible. Um, so when you're, when you're traveling, I mean, I, I think, you know, and I've traveled places with you, but, um, you're very uh, carefree when it comes to getting into places that don't nece that necessarily uh, have a you know, might have a language barrier. Although you know, obviously, you're usually with people who maybe speak the language or yeah. whatever. But um, how do you overcome that whole um, discomfort mm -hmm. with entering a place that doesn't speak the same language as you do? And and we're you know, as Americans in general, and obviously I'm generalizing here, but we're we're not you know we're generally uh, a little bit. Um, stuffy about that we don't automatically learn a second language like so many of the countries do right. uh how do you get through that i mean and still like just love it yeah so i part of it is i think where you go La i think it was last year the year before uh i went to france and I think there was there was an expectation that you would at least you know try which i think there should be and that's kind of how I get over it is I attempt to learn just some basic, you know, hello, how are you? This is who I am. How are you? Uh, I don't really speak your language. Is there, you know, is there any chance we could speak English? But just having a few phrases and using Google Translate and things like that, I think just showing an effort because there is a feeling, I think, in some parts of the world that, you know, a lot of Americans just don't even care. We're so arrogant and we think everybody should speak English. And, you know, so I think just making an effort really helps. And depending on where you are, uh, I think they love hearing Americans try, you know, at least attempt yeah. to, to speak the language. So I think showing that you're, you're at least attempting goes a really long way. What do you find, um, because, you know, you're not doing these trips, other than our Canada trip, and we can maybe hit on that, but but you're not doing these trips necessarily for pleasure. You're you're always making time to at least do one thing. I always um, find pleasure like somewhere. The, like the Cabbage Festival the in cabbage. Germany. <laughs> uh, this will tell you all, all you need to know uh, about my wife. It's the greatest day Su of my life. Super, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> Marriage to me is number two to the Cabbage and, Festival. And our children. Oh, oh, yeah, that too. Uh, but what what do you find from a business perspective? Um, differences between our way of doing business here yeah. and other countries, uh, you know, because you, so that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. yeah what are so some of the big ones? Well, okay. So there's two standouts. One, I'll just go back to Croatia because I was so surprised in the middle of the day or in the late morning to see everyone just outside having coffee at these outdoor, beautiful outdoor cafes, just in the middle of the workday, going out and sitting for an hour and having a coffee. And that's just not something we do here. You know, we, we don't live that way. And I had a conversation with my friend Davor, who is in um, Zagreb, uh, 
I said, how, how does this work? What are you doing? Because I would like to do this. And he said, you have to understand, you know, when we talk about work-life balance, it means something different than what you define work-life balance as being. For us, it's truly living and working and, you know, finding harmony in that. So, but there's a trade-off. We don't make as much money. We don't have as much influence on the world stage as other countries, including the U.S. But we're okay with it because we want this true balance where we'll go out in the middle of the day and, you know, have a coffee and and talk with our friends and then go back and get the work done. It's just different than the way we do it. Um, and a- another one that really, really stuck with me is, I guess it was last month or it was either October or November, I was in Iceland. Oh my gosh, what an eye-opener. Yeah. Their culture is so different, and they are truly about gender equality. And they have been for a really long time. And for them, it's just such a part of their fabric as a culture. And the way they explain things, I'll give you an example Uh, Parental leave. They consider parental leave the right of the child, Mm. not the right of the mother or the father. It's the right of the child to bond with both parents in the first year of life. So they give, I, I, I will have to look, it's either nine months or a year or 12 months, that they give to parents of a new child. And the parents can divide that up however they decide. And they're covered, they'll get paid, and their jobs are there, and it's totally normal, but it's the right of the child to have access to both parents uh, in the first year of life. And it makes so much sense, but when you look at what, you know, how, how we handle it here in the United States, you know, you're lucky. Some, some women go back after two weeks. Some women have, you know, more time, uh, fathers as well. And, um, it's almost like it's a favor that you're getting the time off and it's just, Mm. it's not right. And that, that was very eye opening. and it's, it's part and pay equity is a law. Yeah. And they don't understand why other countries don't do that. So when I think about business, I think about all of it, right? It's not just how you operate with your clients. It's how you operate with your people and how you operate as a culture. And I found the way Iceland does it is truly enlightened. And I would love it if we could learn something from that. Yeah, it seems like um, just from the discussions that you and I have had and, and you hear you know, on the news and just, just in general, you get a sense of talking to people who are, are worldly and have traveled and it's we definitely do it uh, quite differently. I, I, I don't know if I'll say wrong, but <laughs> we, we maybe maybe that is well, the right I word. Mean, but I mean, we just we we don't take enough vacation. We Mm-mm. don't support uh, the parents uh, yeah. well. It, it's just yeah, it, it definitely is not. Um, you know, we we've talked. I think we even talked about this a little bit two years ago. But the work life balance stuff. It's it's a uh, it's a much bigger thing in other other uh other countries and we're talking about it a ton in the pga i mean we're yeah you know this is something that um you know for those of you who are not in the business uh that i'm you guys in, don't have balance well but it's it, it's it's uh it, it's talked about a lot more now Good. Um, because at the end of the day we want young people in our industry and we are struggling mightily. yeah i bet and so young people want decent pay yep. and they want control over their lives to some degree yep. to have a life yeah um and you know you and I, you've been with oh. me since the day i yeah. started in this business and that's not necessarily the case um and you know I, I think there is something to be said for putting the time in above and beyond in the beginning of your career sure uh but at the same time I certainly can understand where you would want a little bit of balance in that once you got your feet, your foot 
in the door and you started to get a little bit established mm -hmm. to also have the balance to be able to do other things to maybe start a family, uh, what have you. And so the bottom line too is that, uh, and, and maybe this is more something we can discuss, but our industry in general, the golf industry is fighting other industries because some mm. young people are looking at our industry and saying, okay, I can make uh, $40,000 working in a um, high rent district area mm -hmm. like our area mm -hmm. and barely be able to make it. I need two roommates to have a place to live. Weekends and working weekends, working mm -hmm. holidays, all that. Summer. Or I yep. could work in the service industry right. and make tips, make all this, make way more mm -hmm. and work less days. So, right. I, you know, I think it's it, it's what you're talking about with the other cultures is is you know, in the other countries you've been to. I mean, I, I think we, we've got to start to adapt a little bit better. I think in some industries we're doing that, right? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the, the younger generation, I feel I'm only 45, but in some ways I'm a dinosaur. I feel... Did you just quote your, your age on the, on the air? I, I'm 45. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Well, yeah, I never would have asked you that on... on I know you wouldn't. Okay. I just want to put 46. that on record here. <laughs> There you have it. See? <laughs> you're the always going to be the year other, older than me. <laughs> the other shoe hits the floor. Okay. okay. No, but I think the the younger generation, I, I would say kind of 30 and under, have totally different ideas about their relationship with their workplace. And I think they're pushing businesses in directions that might be a little uncomfortable, but I think in the long run are going to be really good and are very conscious of mental health and the balance that we've been talking about. And, you know, when, when we were coming up, you didn't talk about that stuff. You didn't have feelings. You didn't have a bad day. You know, you just showed up and you you kept grinding and that we can't expect that of people. The times have changed. Things are different and you have to adapt or you're going to die. And so, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's going to continue to take some time, but I think some good things are happening. And I think the abusive, workplaces that are still very much alive and well are not going to be for very much longer. And um, I think it's up to leaders to really just have their eyes open to what people need, what they expect, and, you know, try to find a way, if not, you know, meeting them in the middle a little further than that. But I think it's good for everyone. I mean, the changes that have happened because of COVID uh, have been good for me, for sure. Uh, I don't have to make that commute into the office uh, the yeah. way I used to every day. Uh, and it's it's been good. And we're still productive and, uh, you know, things are going well. And this recession is worrisome. Uh, but I don't think that, you know, there, there are layoffs coming uh, in all sorts of industries. But I don't think that's going to reverse all of the progress that businesses are making in terms of like paying attention to people's mental health and things like that. I don't, that's not going to reverse no matter what. Yeah. I mean, that's something we've talked about, um, in our industry too. I mean, we, we've, um, as a part of education and everything too, we've, we've tried to, uh, build in some of the mental health stuff, mm -hmm. uh, for our professionals. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think our industry is realizing that, hey, you know, the golf industry has exploded the last two years. COVID was, as bad as it was, was good for our industry. Yeah, because you guys are outside. Yeah. Uh, now it's plateauing, um, but we're still doing really well. And again, as I mentioned before, we're, we're, we're light on people in terms of the assistant professionals and everything. And, you know, I think we've got, as you said, I mean, we've got to adapt and at the end of the day, if we can give people a work-life balance that matters, and, you know, you've been with me again from the beginning, and you know how this, this industry, you know, can, can take a lot of time and mm -hmm. days and hours. And I think 
to be fair, we've talked honestly and openly recently with my fellow officers on the board in our section about how if we want our industry to grow, we have to do two things. We have to adapt in terms of, as you're mentioning, you know, that whole work-life balance and, mm-hmm. and all that. We have, to, we have to also be willing to say to people who are interested in getting in our industry, hey, it's a great industry to get into. We are notorious in our association previously for if somebody wanted to say, hey, I'm thinking about getting into the golf business, a lot of us would be like, "Eh, are you sure about that? You know, that's not good. No, it's not. And and we've we've come to terms with that a lot. And and I mean, I I think it wasn't that we thought the industry was um, bad to get into because God knows it's given me a great life. And I've met so many people, but you well, I have lived all the shit. And and we spent a lot of time at our facilities um, and a lot of hours. And and sometimes it wears you down. But we have to be willing to say to people, like, the pros far outweigh the cons. Well, and the other thing, too, is you're not going to reach the top of your profession by not being willing to put the work in. Right? And you can still have balance and you can still protect your mental health while you put the work in. You have to put the work in if you want to get to the top. But there needs to be a structure to support, I think, better than it did when we came up. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't negate the fact that you've got you've to put the work in. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you're only going to go so far as the, the, the effort you put into it. Yeah. I mean, it's we've also both seen it, and we'll just leave it at this probably, but... We've also both seen how many people, you know, there's many people who want the, um, they want the positions, they want the chair to Mm -hmm. sit in, but they're only willing to do so much to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And those people are are pretty transparent. Yeah. You know, um, and every industry has them, but I think that's, you know, that's... That's that's where we are. I mean, I think it's it's everything's changing. I mean, it's been great for you it to is. be home more. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I know maybe sometimes now you get cabin fever versus um, traffic you fever. Cook dinner every night just because I'm whoa, here. Whoa, 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 whoa! I okay, mean, come on. Come on. Uh, <laughs> by the way, this um, th- this um, <laughs> this intermission in the podcast is brought, brought to, you to you by, by Woodford Reserve. <laughs> Woodford Reserve. Uh, what is that? Is that the wheat? The weeded one. Yeah, yeah. I love the and, uh, weeded one. It's the one is, with the red label. Mine is the uh, Old Forester, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to my uh, Kentucky uh, section fellows from the District 10. Hey, guys. Um, uh, who took us on a tour there uh, earlier this year. It was a great, uh, great time. Uh, took them on a tour, not oh, me. Oh, sorry. Took you. Uh, us, I was, I was not well, on us, it. Us, I meant our I section. Was, yeah, but I was not on it. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Okay, next, Maybe next, next subject. Yep. Uh, hey, let's talk hey, about something super, like, simple and easy. Parenting. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> Parenting. You know what, though? It what is... a year it's been. But you know what? It has gotten... that when As they get older, it does get a little bit easier. For sure. I feel like, I okay, feel like so, we're hitting a groove okay, a little bit. Okay, so we, we got... You know, in my mind as I say this stuff, like, I know of some people who listen to the podcast. Um, and I'm thinking of a couple people, you know, maybe some some people who don't have parent, kids yet. Some have young it's kids. Okay to not have no, kids that's ever. okay too. It's all. I mean, we thought for like. a long time we weren't having kids. Yeah. Um, Our parents gave up on us. <laughs> like ten years, yeah. they're, they're not doing it. No, we did all right though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, give me the number one challenge that we faced this year. That's a that's a oh, that's a very difficult, unprepared question. So I just threw entitled. her under the bus. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> they just. Well said. Expect everything. And I love them, and they're good kids, and everyone who has them when we're not around says they're great. And they are. They're good kids. But they, they're a little spoiled. Well, I think um, at the risk you know, of going a little off the reservation here. Well, they're not, not going to listen to this podcast, so no, we can well, say that's whatever true we too. want. Um, they're in the other room, but they're doing their thing. But... I think that's the that's the push and pull, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's like you want to provide 
every bit of the life that your parents gave you and then some. Yeah. But by doing that, it, sometimes it's hard to keep their perspective in order mm-hmm. and also understanding that in our case, the kids are 11 and 6. Remember what you understood when you were 11 and 6? Nothing. Nothing. Like I was watching Transformers and mm-hmm. and then playing hockey and whatever, yeah. but so it, it's difficult, but it's it's a difficult time too from the with an from an outside influence perspective, mm. it is difficult now. Stuff that we did not have to, to deal with as kids of basically the, say, late 80s and, you know, the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a different world because yeah. of the social media and the devices. I mean, when we got bullied, it was someone bullying you to your face. Right. And you knew who the person was and you probably knew why. And you either dealt with it or, you know, you were miserable in school. I think we, you know, probably had a little mix of all of it. But now it's, you know, coming from who knows where, from who knows who. And, mm-hmm. you know, it it really has an impact. And we try to navigate as best we can through all of that. But, you know, um, I think now that the world has opened up a little bit, and we're able to go do more things and do some travel and get them out, see different parts of the world, different cultures, I think has been really helpful. But, you know, I think we're always trying to find that balance between, you know, giving them experiences and cool things and also teaching them that stuff like that doesn't come easy. Yeah, I mean, I think um, they... And this is just something in general perception you know, on my part, but your kids see one piece of it. Yeah. They only see the surface. Yep. It's sort of like a glacier. They see the tip of it. What they don't see is what's under the ocean right. that can easily sink you. Yep. <laughs> they they don't see the stuff we struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. and, and but I mean, you know, how much of that do we want them to see? Well, we don't, but I think it's sometimes, you know, and then again, this is the push and pull as a parent, but it's like, you want to say something about that, but also understand they won't understand that. They don't have enough perspective. They're not old enough to understand right. it. So it just is what it is. Um, I thought and, this podcast was going to be more fun. Well, it is. It's kind it of is. serious. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I was going to ask you about great your biggest failure this year, but you know what? Maybe I'll I'll reserve that one for down oh, the line here. You didn't here. give me a heads up about that. I need no. to think about that for a minute. No, it's all right. But uh, all right. So look, love your kids. Tell them you love them at every stage, and they'll be fine. Yeah. Give them lo- lots of love and hugs. Yeah. And, and everything will be okay. Gifts work too. Well, they did today. It was Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about, um, sorry, we went on a tangent there parent-wise, but that's just what we do. Um, professional development. Uh-huh. Um, we we hit a little bit of this two years ago, but I want to get your perspective on a couple of these things because um, I've had this discussion with some of my um, compadres in the teaching area, uh, a few of whom have been on the podcast if you've listened to it before, my boy, shout out to Pat Coiner and Chris George. Hi, guys. Um, and my boy, Sean English, as well, who's not been on the podcast. Well, yeah, Sean has been on the podcast, actually. Uh, sorry, Sean. Uh, but uh, he- here's... <laughs> You're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> what? Sean's going to be upset. No, he won't. Okay. He's okay. fine. Okay. He's he's a great guy. Anyway, he. Uh, I think from my perspective, and I'm interested to hear where you are, because right now... You're president of the company, and now, this has changed since the last two years, Yes, you're a minority owner Yay. of the company, too. Yes. Which is amazing. Yes. Um, so, I feel like professional development is a little bit difficult, because you get caught in this vortex of being successful, being busy, yep. and then after a while, you wonder what else is out there that you're not mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. You're not learning you're not teaching people from my perspective i watch mm-hmm. others teachers mm-hmm. and i'm like wow that's something i don't really know anything about but i've had no time to learn about it but right. i also feel an obligation to the people that are regular to me yeah to get better at what i do yeah. so i don't know you and i've talked about this a little bit because i've i've spouted off about this stuff to you a little bit but 
Does that come up for you at all? Professional development is so important. And, you know, as a leader, I think finding opportunities for the people that you work with is important and also supporting them when they come to you and say, Hey, I found this thing. I want to do it. This is why, you know, being supportive in that way, I think is really important. And it, it does, it's very easy to get caught up. Like you said, in the day to day, like I'm just working, I'm just getting it done. And how am I going to find time for this? And how am I going to, you know, develop myself, let alone other people? Uh, it's, it's tough. I think, you just have to make time for it. Like you're always talking to me about, uh, you know, making time to work out. Mark is really great about working out. I am really not. Uh, but it's, you know, I need, I need to make time to do that and we're working on that. But professional development is the same thing, right? Um, but one interesting thing I found about professional development is, for example, if you're a golf teacher, if you're a professional, uh, the way you develop is not necessarily, it, it doesn't have to be about golf. And I'm in the communications business and, you know, I've really enriched myself in areas that, that don't have anything to do with PR communications, but have ended up being a great professional development tool for me. So I think if you feel like you, you're maybe hitting a wall in whatever professional development curriculum is available to you in your profession, look outside of it. All right, so give me an, well, give everybody you know, give everybody an example for you. So for me, honestly, it's been the travel. And just being in other cultures and talking to other people and seeing how other people live and you know and I haven't really been able to define yet why. But I really believe that being out in the world and being with other people and in other places has made me a better leader and a better advisor. And I want to do more of it. I'll do as much as I'm able. Uh, and I haven't given it the, you know, the think time to figure out exactly why that is. But it hasn't been going to, you know, leadership development seminars or anything like that it's been just being out in the world and living and seeing and for for me that's been it um and for other people it might be different but i i found that to be just a wonderful surprising unexpected way for me to develop professionally yeah and i mean i think um that's well that's interesting um i i think from my perspective, um, it's making the time to dig in with the people in our industry who are movers and shakers. Mm. Um, I think I'm going to do more of that in 23. Inspiration from them. Yeah. I mean, but uh, the, the way I learn is more hands-on. And I think that's an important, I think that's an important thing for everyone to understand is how you learn. And if you listen to the podcast I just put out recently with Tempe Warmack, my, my guitar teacher, who... That's a whole other thing that has taught me a lot this year. I've, I've become a student again, which has helped me a lot. Because mm. um, you look at how he teaches. I do. And we have discussions, as, as we talked about in the podcast a little, about how we deal with some of the same things in a different discipline, but that you know students might say or do or need. And I think it's, it's, it's super important if you're in an industry where you can do it to become a student again. Mm-hmm. Um, the last 15 months has been really good for me because there's been times where, you know, it's been like, Hey, you know, I need to work on this. I need to work on these chord shapes or whatever it is with the guitar. And I'm trying to blow through it. And then I realize this is exactly what I would tell my students not to do. Mm. I would tell them to go slow, which is exactly what Tempe's telling me. Yeah. And I'm rushing because I want the instant gratification thing. And I'm, and so it's been really good for me, and it's, it, it has really helped me position my students a little better, and I'm hoping to take that into 23. So I think that's been a great thing for me to, to do, is become a student again. 
It doesn't make you more empathetic to your students, to oh, totally. some of the things that they do that drive you crazy? Uh, well, totally. <laughs> uh, and they all know I love them, but I, it, it, it does. I mean, it, it's because I've done some of it, too. I, I've shotgun approached my mm-hmm. practice, um, sort of like some students, some people I teach, and people at the driving range in general do, is they'll shoot balls out into the range, like Tommy gunning it. Yeah. You know, and what I always tell people is like, look, if you're going to take balls and just hit one after the other as fast as you can, just take the bucket. And just throw it. And throw it out into the range. <laughs> because that's essentially what you're doing. And so it's made me honestly think it through mm. and also be better about thinking my practice through uh, from a very systematic approach. Like, can I get 1%? Um, many of you who are golfers who are listening to this know this name. Uh, Grant Waite. Uh, Grant, <clears throat> excuse me, is... Um, now is a very good teacher. But for those of you who maybe don't, maybe have heard that name before but don't remember who it is, if you remember the 2000 uh, or 2001 Canadian Open when Tiger Woods hit a six iron out of the bunker. Is that the one we were there for? Uh, actually, it might have been. Uh, uh, no, it, it was the year after. Oh. Uh, he, he did it the year before we were there in 2000. Out of the, he had a six iron out of the bunker uh, over the water and won in a playoff. That was against Grant Waite. And I remember Grant Waite at a teaching seminar saying, just try and get 1% better every day. Hmm. And I thought, man, that's that's a really good approach. That's great. Yeah. So it's when you think it through, that's very um, – sometimes it can be a little bit arduous in terms of, like, it seems so slow. But if you did it that way versus taking a step back, boy, you'd, you'd get better quickly. So I don't know. I think it's – Professional development is something that I'm, I'm going to work at. This has helped me, but uh, also just spending more time with good teachers to raise the bar. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're sitting still, you're getting passed. But how do you feel about taking time to not think about professional development and your students and your business? And so I, some of my best ideas come when I'm not... You know, when I'm purposely thinking about something else, like if you know me, if you've been in my home, you know, I love bread. Yep. Love making bread. I bake the bread. Uh, one of my favorite gifts this Christmas was I got a grain mill. So now I can mill my own flour. So that's happening. But going. So I always say like making bread is my therapy and it's my meditation. And I found that focusing my brain away from work, clients, people, uh, solutions I'm trying to find to problems, things like if I'm focusing my brain elsewhere, I'll come up with really great ideas and solutions by just not thinking about it. So I just wonder if you, if you also consider that kind of maybe not professional development, but a way to think differently um finding a distraction almost well i mean i think playing guitar and you know some of my students know that i've i've taken it up i've resisted the urge to sort of use social media as a platform to do it he has so many guitars you can never have enough guitars he has so many guitars. um just got another one for christmas thank you patty uh but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a distraction for me, but I still think it helps you assess what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's still not in the discipline you're doing. And there is so much information out there that's being um, thought through, uh, discovered, shared yeah. in our industry. And, you know, when you talk about – and the, the, this is not to oversimplify what you do at all um, – but when you talk about human movement, it is so complex because it's also tied into m- motor learning. And so it's like this giant um, mixing bowl of stuff. And there's so much you can learn about it. And you'll never learn all of it. Well, I mean, what I do when, when it boils down to it, it's about behavior. And, you know, I don't think behavior is any simpler than movement. Right. I mean, it's it's very complex. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, so. So I'm going to ask the question now. Oh, God. 
because I brought it up earlier. Oh, boy. And in the back of your mind, I feel like you were thinking about it, Shit. but... I forgot that you asked me. And now I know what you're going to ask me. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you're together since you were teenagers, <laughs> is she knew exactly where I was going to go. Did. I circled back I on her. I you were going to forget. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. Shit. So, failures. Because this is what this podcast is about. It's about learning from your mistakes. It's about getting better. It's about finding ways to be better uh, at what you do. It doesn't matter the discipline. There's always something you can learn. So, oh and you, obviously, you don't have to be specific about it. But um, just, I mean, you can generalize a bit. Like, can it, I talk uh, about it, improvement? So maybe not a failure, but an improvement? Sure. No, please. I am trying to get better at the age of 45, again, about just not worrying so much about what other people think. And it's very hard for me. Um, I, I was, I came out of the womb of people pleaser. And when you are a people pleaser, it, it gets in your, it gets in your way. And uh, I'm, I'm finding now I'm getting better and I need to continue to get better at just leaving behind the expectations and opinions of other people. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, so like that, 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 totally i pr'd my way out of your question about failures <laughs> but i think it's a fa it's a failing on my part is letting the opinions and you know feelings of others get in in the way of me doing you know what i think is right or what i think is right for me uh that that is a personal failure and i'm trying to get better and it's, oh, it's so hard no, I mean, I think that's, no, I appreciate you saying that and, and sharing that with everybody. I mean, I think it's, from my perspective, I want to get better at what I do, like I spoke about earlier. But there's also this thing, um, and I, I think other teachers, coaches in my industry can understand this. Sometimes you see other teachers doing things and you want to do it their way uh. or hold it to the standard that they're doing it. Yep. And at the end of the day, you still have to be you. Yes. And it doesn't matter what comes out of my mouth, whether it's factually correct or not. If I make the person in front of me better, if I give them joy, if I give them a better experience and a pathway to improve, I've done my job. Mm -hmm. I've been successful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how I do it. Mm -hmm. um, could I do it faster? That's the thing that sticks in sticks in me a little bit like mm -hmm. I want to learn to be able to do it faster and more efficiently but at the end of the day if I help them get better um I've done my job and and I've said this before at other points in the podcast too but also the information should never be above the experience hmm. explain oh well, to me, to, oh, happy to do that. You see the look on his oh, face right now. Yeah, no, happy to do He's that. He's like, oh, I'm going to explain. There's plenty of people who want to talk smart. And when the person walks out of the lesson, maybe they have a very good understanding. Maybe they're a slice player and hit high draws when it's over. But here's the thing. If they had a terrible experience in mm. terms of enjoying themselves, I don't care what you told them yeah. and how good they hit it. They will never come back. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'll say it again. They will never come back. Yeah. So if you put the information above the experience you're giving the person in front of you, uh, you are not going to last. Mm. Now, I'm not suggesting... I think that applies in a lot of different areas. I would say yeah. to a certain extent that applies to what I do as well. But like if you're an asshole, you could be really smart yeah. and you could be saying all the right things. But if somebody doesn't want to work with you... Yeah. Or, or they can't connect with you or relate to you, then you're, you know, it, yeah. you're going to have a difficult road. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of things I could be better at as a teacher, technically and information wise. Yeah. But from a communication standpoint and having a person come in for, say, an hour lesson and leaving there an hour later, I'll put 
the way they feel mm-hmm. up against anybody. Yeah. Because the return business speaks, right? Yep. The word of mouth speaks. And if you're getting a ton of business through word of mouth, you're doing something right. Sure. Doesn't mean your information is always the best it can be. And you can always do better at that. But if you give them the best experience, there's been plenty of times, and I've said this before on the podcast, it's like, you know, I'm like, I leave, they leave the lesson and later on I'm driving home I'm like, man, that lesson was total bullshit. Like, I just did not feel like I did a good job. And later on I get an email from them. That and they like, feel great about it. And they're like, thank you so much. That was the best lesson I've ever gotten. And, I'm and like, you're like, wow. what the fuck? Yeah, like, it, it's it's incredible. And so what they did was they viewed the experience right. above the information. They didn't know better on the information, but the experience made them feel that way and you made them feel better and to me that's that's a big thing I have a question because you and I have I don't think we've really talked about this I talk about it a lot in a um, executive group that uh, did you hear that folks his glass is empty (laughs) she's gonna ask the question while I I get a refill do you so I'm listening listening. part of an executive group that that I'm involved in talks a lot about imposter syndrome. Do you ever talk about that? Do you ever, do you know what that is? Explain what that is. So that is, you know, being, so for me in my position, um, you know, helping to run a company as part of, of an executive group. I counsel clients. I've been doing this for going on 24 years and I know I know what I'm doing, but <laughs> so sometimes you're like, man, I am just tricking everybody into think I know what I'm doing because I don't. But I do. And, you know, I see other people, other leaders who are very capable and very successful. And I'm like, well, they know what they're doing. I have convinced people I know what I'm doing but I have so many doubts and that that's called that's imposter syndrome and we have not talked about that uh and I'm just curious if you ever feel that way or if this is something that you talk about among your executive group or if it is maybe more tied to gender and because I know it is something that that women do struggle with especially women the higher they get in their executive positions, it, it can be a very difficult thing to deal with. So I just wonder if that's something that you ever face or talk about. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I won't speak to dealing with being a woman in an in, in industry because you and I talked about that two years ago and mm-hmm. we talk about it all the time. Yeah. But I think the imposter syndrome, what you're talking about is as you get better at what you do, and you charge more, you worry, and you doubt what you do to some degree because you're charging X amount for a lot of work that you do to get better at what you do. And my take on that, though, is the people, many times, the people who don't suffer from imposter syndrome are the ones you should worry about. Oh, that's so true. Those are the people who think they know it all, and they have it pegged, yeah. And I guarantee you the people who are the most successful, the ones on Instagram that in my industry, there's plenty of people on Instagram who are, you know, who are super successful and, and not just in Instagram, but just in our industry in general. Right. Those people quietly are probably still wondering sometimes if what yeah. they said was accurate. Right. And so they will go to the ends of the earth to figure it out to be sure. The ones you got to worry about are the ones who think they have absolutes. Yeah. Um, I think the, 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 smar- the smarter you get and the more you learn, the more you realize you what don't you know don't shit. know. You don't know shit. You don't, what you don't, <laughs> hey, shout out to our boy, Brandon Collins. Oh, our boy. Hi, uh, yeah, Brandon. The big cat. Big who cat. used to tell me, know what you don't know. And he would say yes. that all the time. And I think it's important. I think the people who act like they know it all and they've got it pegged are the ones you need to That's so put it in reverse and get out of there as fast yeah. as you can. Yeah. Because But you don't but you don't want people to know the 
un- the uncertainty and the yeah, death. Th- like, but, you don't want to let people see that. But no, no, you don't. But I talked about this in the podcast with uh, our, my last podcast with Tempe. And I've talked about this with other teachers because I enjoy asking this question. People are okay with you mm-hmm. saying, you know what? I'm not sure. Yeah. Because if they trust you, yeah. they trust that you will find the answer. Right. Like when I started right. or I teaching, need to think about it. Yeah, when give I me, give me a couple days to think yeah. about it. Well, we talked about that two years ago. I know because you feel like you have to have answers to everything right that right. second. But and th- sometimes you just have to think. No, but that's that's the thing. As you get better at what you do, it's way easier to say, "Hey, I need a minute to think about it." And you know, I have students say to me, they hit three golf shots. They're like, "Well, what do you think?" And I'm like, "I don't think anything yet." But I, that's confidence. That's uh, confidence, well, and I, that's competence. Well, it is. Oh, you got to put that on the... Competence? Co- <laughs> is that what no, you said? It's... <laughs> no, it's confidence, but it's also competence. Yes. No, I... I... Say, and you got to put that shit in the notes. It's yeah. confidence and competence to say, I don't have the answer right now. Yeah. But I'm going to get it. But the people who are like, yeah, this is absolutely what you... And this is a word... I brought this up recently, but I had a student say, well, this is what I should be doing and as soon as he said should the hair stood up on my neck and I had to take a breath and I said Jeff and if Jeff ever listens to this he'll know exactly who I'm talking about I said Jeff you should never use that word especially when it comes to golf because there is no should in anything yeah Jeff yeah Jeff sorry Jeff uh <laughs> should he he and it was like on, he Jeff. tried to use an absolute and you cannot do that the world is too unpredictable there are too many ways to do things differently you have to be willing to maneuver and as i've said before have six ways to say the same thing if you don't it's a little bit scary that's all i'm going to say about that so Jeff is going to call you tomorrow. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So what else are we talking about? I don't, I don't know. We're, we're, we're plowing through it here. I, um, I still it, feel like we had more fun last time we did it. I feel like this has been really serious. This has been good, though. I mean, I, that's, I mean, admittedly, you probably had a little more bourbon last time. I mean, I can get on it. Well, we're... We're moving right along here. We don't, we don't want to keep people too long. but Sure we do. <laughs> no, I don't know if we want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the professional development thing is, is important. Um, and I think from a, from a student-client education perspective, I, I think it's our job to always, like, make them understand, help them. Sorry, not make them. That's a bad choice of words. Help them understand what they need to be doing to improve, in my perspective, um, give them a pathway. I mean, do you do that? Like, uh, that's actually a good question. Oh so, my God. What? so uh, I'm really trying to be better about making sure, you know, I can diagnose an issue with a student, mm-hmm. but I'm really trying to be better about prescribing mm. what they need to do. And I mean, like, Here's the first drill you should do. Then the next rung on the ladder is this. Mm-hmm. And the next rung on the ladder is this. Mm-hmm. Do you do that? Uh, yeah. Tell me. Well, okay. So what I do, there's a lot of different flavors. So some of what I do is sort of like multi-year campaigns. So there is a, this is what we're going to do in the first quarter, and this is what we're going to do in the second quarter, and then in the second year, this is what we're going to do. Um, other times, it's a like a crisis situation. So I do a decent amount of crisis-related work, and crisis can be a lot of different things. Uh, and you can prescribe sort of based on what you think is going to happen, but in those sorts of situations, you, you, may, you may not know. So... Um, when, when we have the ability to do that, yes. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, here's what I'm going to do, you know, over the course of time. 
versus here's what you need to do because mm. you know a lot of it's in reverse that's the difference between right yeah. because uh, what what I I my team and I do the doing T- together you know with the clients that we support it's not us going to a client and saying okay you need to do this it's you know us doing it so it is a little bit different but I think the communication and you know th- this is the plan I think is really really important to the extent that you can and it's all it, you know assessment like we're going to assess at this point is it going well is it not if it's not how are we going to pivot where are we going to pivot um so it's it's more of that so i think it is a little bit different yeah from from what you do yeah i mean it's planning but i guess but yeah that that's an interesting way to look at it that you're doing the doing right um, they still have stuff to do. Sure, of course. But in my perspective, like once I give them the plan, they have to do it all on their own. That's yeah. You know, that's very different. Bless you. Excuse me. Uh, I'm not editing that out, by the way. Um, it's real life, man. Yeah, real life. Um, we're in the trenches here in the we are. in the storage room. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I am going to to uh, going forward try and improve my ability to lay out the plan for everyone Mm -hmm. um i think that's that's again going back to giving them a great experience so many people want uh and this is just me speaking specifically to our industry for those of you who are listening that are golfers but they want hope they just want the next step Mm. they want some clarity because Mm. In the world we live in, there, it, it, yeah, it, it, there is so much information that's easily attainable. It's readily available, but the problem is that it just may not be correct for you, and you're gonna just gonna be in basically. It, it's basically like being in the the wash cycle the entire time, and you're just thrown around, and you have no idea where you're headed. Mm. And so I think. A lot of times, and this is just my experience with with some of my lessons, like when they leave, it's it's honestly it's and these are not necessarily my normal students because we, you know we know our issues and we're working through some things, but so many of them just leave the lesson looking re, just relieved mm. because they have no idea where they were supposed to go, and right. now at the very at the well, very minimum, they? well, yeah, and I mean you know whether it be. They've taken a lesson before. They didn't hit it off with the teacher. And that's no shade on the teacher they took a lesson on before. Sometimes people just don't click. Right. Um, and that's okay, too. Uh, but a lot of times, they're also information seekers. It's super easy, obviously, as mm-hmm. we know with our kids, right. to go on YouTube. Uh, I YouTubed it. Whoops. Sorry. That's my uh, my insulin pump is telling me i got to change it out. Welcome to being a diabetic. Um that's really terrible. That is obnoxious. Yeah. Hopefully you're not. Uh, well, you're hearing that. So this is this is reality. Yeah. This is reality in the Russo household. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I guess I got to change it out. Well, you're gonna have to change that now. Yeah. So, welcome to my uh, my my world. For my students who uh, know me, I'm not gonna edit that out. Uh, because why? Good. No. That. So, how many years has it been? Um, let's see. November will be uh, seven seven years. Seven years? Yeah, seven so years. So, most people, when they are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, are children. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly kids, and then you have the adult onset folks like me. Uh, so, you know, again, my students who are maybe listening to this know, already know that I'm diabetic, but... Um, and you know I have it under control and everything, but uh, <laughs> if you heard that in the background, uh, I'm I'm literally five days into wearing an insulin pump for the first time, been taking shots, and uh, if anybody, awesome. yeah, if anybody's listening to this, you know I'll get on my soapbox for a second. I apologize for those of you who aren't interested, but uh, getting an insulin pump now has been this week, just in a week, has been a game changer. Uh, I have to change the pot out, as you probably heard, it screams at you, but. Uh, from a from a numbers perspective and a health perspective, it's not been not having to jab yourself in well, the that, abdomen with needles multiple that's, times a um, day. Yeah, that's 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 not bad. That's like uh, you know having a punch out on every hole off the tee. 
uh, driving it in the woods and then having to punch out on every hole, it sucks. So it's been it's been amazing. So yeah, well you gotta. But so, it yells at you when. Yeah, so everybody got a real expires. taste of uh, life there on that one, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, such is life. Such Parenting. Is life. Uh, you know what? We what? forgot. We didn't even say anything about our trip to New York. What do you, What do you want to say about it? I don't know that we went. <laughs> we went to New York. We went to New York. There you have it. So th- this is something no, that, actually, that Mark and I are notorious yeah. for doing, is we were sitting around, was it the day after Thanksgiving? Yes. So it was Friday. And we were sitting on the couch, and the rare Saturday and Sunday that Mark did not have to work. And so I said, we, we got to do something. Like, we, we, need to, we need to go somewhere. We need to go. And... It just popped into my head, like, what if we take the boys to New York City? Because they've never been. We love it. Blaine has been talking about wanting to go forever. And so in the span of 30 minutes, I think we planned a whole overnight. And it was, you know, right after Thanksgiving, we literally left the next morning. Got up, drove next morning. And it was holiday season. It was crazy tourist shopping, Rockefeller center Christmas tree, ice skating, shopping on Fifth Avenue, the whole thing. But uh, we got to see our good friend Peter Shankman. That was an episode he's been on with us. He uh, has. He yep. graced He graced your podcast with his no question. amazingness. Episode maybe three. Really? Yeah, way back when we started. ADHD is a superpower. That's right. ADHD, look back and see it. Uh, Shankman's a uh, rock star. So good. It's, also, it's so funny. Like every, yeah. you're gonna say what I'm gonna say. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> so this this episode is gone an hour, over an hour. Most episodes are what 45 minutes to an yeah, hour. Yeah, roughly in there. Shankman's was 28 minutes. <laughs> this is what happens when you interview somebody who has ADHD. Uh, he's but, the best. But he's the best. So, so we got to you, see Peter. we got to see Peter and his daughter Jessa, and uh, oh my god, it was just so much fun. And I think, uh, and look. As all of you know, if you're listening, you know, there's golf stuff, there's failure stuff, there's life stuff. Um, we veered all over the path now, uh, but it was pretty special to go uh, to the 9-11 memorial mm-hmm. um, and see that, to have our sons see it, yep. to go to the top of Freedom Tower, to feel it moving and look all over New York. Just Unbelievable. To, just a uh, humbling experience. And not everyone knows this. I think people are surprised, at least when I tell them, is Mark and I were on our honeymoon mm, on yeah. 9-11. We, we, were. Were, we were in Montreal, and we were getting up that morning to go to Quebec City yep. to get the French experience. Yes. And we turned on the TV, and of course... You know, we never, we didn't leave the whole day. We were trying to get a hold of our loved ones in Washington and, you know, our colleagues. And it was, you know, as everyone who lived through it knows your level of trauma that day, that was ours. And um, we finally left our hotel room to get dinner. And, you know, Montreal is just a beautiful city and it's Canadian, like everyone in Canadian is amazing and it's a special place. And we walk outside and there's armed officers on yeah. every street corner. Yeah. And it was so jarring to see this in this city. It's when the world changed. Totally. And we went to this lovely little Italian restaurant and everyone was very somber and the whole city was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. And we sat down in this restaurant and we started talking to our server and he asked where we were from. And we said Washington, D.C. Because nobody knows where Severn, Maryland is. We just say Washington. And I was working, you know, st- still technically do in, in downtown Washington. And Mark was, where were you? Marlboro? 2001? Woodmore. No, it wasn't Woodmore yet. Marlboro. Okay. So D.C.-ish. And... They could not have been more concerned about, you know, have you, have you, you know, are your people okay? Are your loved ones okay? And it was just, it was, I will never forget that. But, um, 
like Mark said, you know, going to kind of see the memorial and Blaine got very emotional. Yeah. Because he's read books about it. He's 11 and there's kids books, you know, about that. And he, he got very emotional, but, um, now he wants to be a city kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty special. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, it's been a good year. It's been a fucking awesome year. Oh, there it is. That might two years ago. It took you like seven minutes to drop your first <laughs> f bomb. Uh, it took you um, uh, an hour and f- no, I think almost I said, five. I did think you? I said one before, and I said shit a couple oh, times, okay, well, and I said you know, asshole. Welcome to our world, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's me, so it's that's why we're doing this. Because I curse. No, no. So. uh We've covered a lot of ground. I think. I, I think we'll let. Uh, if you're still listening, an hour and five minutes. Yeah. We'll into let, this, thank we'll you. We'll let you detox and maybe give your brain a break. But um, I thought it was the right time to renew our our um, our interview and our our time together. Is it biannual? I don't know. I'm too. I'm not. I'm a golf instructor. Not smart enough for so that. It, you I'll figure see it out. You'll see in another two years. So I guess. you'll see her in 2024. How about that? Ugh. Okay, so steal yourself for that one. Okay, because by the time that happens, we might have a teenager. Oh my will god. We have a teenager. God yes, we will. So God help us. But um, thank you all for listening. This was fun. Yeah, we I'm like to we do this it. because it's it's fun. Uh, we it's hope... the only time we talk to each other. No, that's bullshit. See, now you got me cussing, but. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to um, a lot to process in a year with uh, with family and mm-hmm. and work and all that. And I just hope all of you are taking the time to enjoy the time with your family, like we did today and the last couple days. Yeah, uh, it's the end of 2022. It's a good year. It was a good year. It's a damn good year. Thank you to, in all seriousness, thank you to all of you who took the time to come in and see me for a lesson. Uh, my long-term students, the nest, as I lovingly call them, thank you all. Uh, for those of you who came to see me this year who also listened to the podcast, thank you. Uh, I hope you'll see me again in 23. Uh, we'll do. I will promise you that I'll do everything I can to help you get to where you want to be. And if I can't, like we talked about, I'll find the answers. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, until, uh, until 2023... Merry Christmas, babe. Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Driving Improvement Podcast. We'll see you on the lesson team. Thanks for listening to the final podcast of 2022 and tuning in over the last three years. I hope you can hear from our conversation how much passion Lori and I have for our clients and that the push and pull of working with people and companies with specific needs is both a challenge and a blessing. Adapting to the daily ebbs and flows is a skill that constantly needs to be adjusted and improved. Thank you to Lori for joining me once again, and thanks to all of you for listening in 2022. Until next year, this is the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo, and I'll see you on the Lesson D in 2023.